0: You're listening to TIP.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome to this Wednesday's release of the Bitcoin Fundamentals podcast. So it's been a crazy week with multiple bank failures and many people in the industry referring to the Silicon Valley bank failure as potentially being a Lehman-sized event. So I sat down with Mr. Stephen McClurg, who's the CIO at Valkyrie, former experience at Guggenheim, and just an all-around brilliant macro thinker. And we recorded this conversation at the end of last week. Uh, with everything that was happening, what it meant for the broader economy, his thoughts around the impact of the Bitcoin on ramps going bankrupt like Silvergate. And then we soon learned over the weekend, Signature Bank, his thoughts on the Bitcoin ETF potentially getting approved due to the GBTC legal action that's currently taking place with the SEC and much more. So uh, with that, we're going to hop right to it. And this is my interview with Mr. Stephen McClurg.
0: You're listening to Bitcoin Fundamentals by The Investor's Podcast Network. Now for your host, Preston
2: Pish.
1: So uh, just an admin note before we start the show. Stephen and I, like I said in the intro, had this conversation Friday morning on 10 March, and it was looking like Silicon Valley Bank was about to fail and that it was imminent. Uh, Also, Signature failed uh, later during the weekend. I think it was Sunday night that they announced the failure there. Also, the Federal Reserve announced a new program to prevent contagion over the weekend. Uh, This was a new bailout backup facility, however you want to refer to it. And it's called Bank Term Funding Program, uh, the BTFP. And so what it does, evidently, is offer loans up to one year in length to banks, saving associations, and credit unions uh, by pledging their highly impaired bonds to the facility. And in turn, they will get back the face value of the bond. So if you had a bond that was trading at 90 cents on the dollar because it was impacted by inflation and it was selling off, No problem. You can just put the bond on deposit at their facility and you would get the full uh, $1 uh, back uh, to be able to be used for uh, people withdrawing their deposits. But here's the problem. What kind of incentives are we creating for banks when they don't have to actually account for inflation and hedge their risks for owning such bonds? Uh, This is a major component of running a free and open economy, and most importantly, a free and open cost of capital for the value of everything on the planet. Well, I guess we're going to see what type of disincentives pop out of this new and continuous manipulation of the markets. But with that quick admin note, here's my chat with Stephen. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I'm here with Stephen. Stephen, it's always a pleasure having
0: you on the uh, show. Hey, it's always a pleasure being on your show, Preston. I'd rather be a person, but, uh, you know, we got to do what we have to do.
1: Yes. Um, help me out here. There's a lot happening. So I like to zoom out to start the show and really kind of, uh, pick your brain on how you're personally seeing the macro lens. And I mean, you can go out, you can zoom out as far as you want. Um, but how would you describe where we're at in the middle to mid March, 2023?
0: Well, the thing is, it's it's actually not that surprising um, where, where we're at right now. Um, a lot of people thought that inflation was behind us, and I've kept saying, no, 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 inflation is not behind us. Mm-hmm. So, so maybe we'll start with inflation. How's that? Yeah, I think that's a great pl- um, place to start. Yeah, or, or even go even higher level. Um, let's let's just recap and remind everybody to number one, not fight the Fed, and number two, that the Fed has a, a mandate that's driving them right now. And that mandate is really, really focused on number one, fighting inflation number two um, getting unemployment to go up and we're struggling there. Uh, And and number three, I would even say that, you know, not to completely destroy the economy, but um, that's, that's a, that's a distant third and they care less about that right now. So, so, so going back to inflation, I think a lot of people thought that, oh yeah, inflation's over, you know, we've had, we've had lower CPI uh, print increases. And I think we talked about this last time I was on your show that um, it's like, well, you know, we're not, we're not going to see 8% prints anymore. But the reality is, is if you go up 8%, then you go up another six, and then you go up a number seven, like that's still a lot of inflation. Mm-hmm. Um, but even though prices did stabilize a little bit, you got to look at, you, you got to look at future prices and there are, are two different groups of people or industries that I like to dig into right now, particularly, but anytime I'm looking at what inflation is going to look like. Right. Mm. And that is farming and petroleum or mm. energy. Right. And if you talk to farmers and, um, you know, um, I, I know a lot of, I know a lot of farmers and a lot of big industrial farmers as well. Um, and if you talk to farmers, they're going to say that labor cost is higher. Petroleum cost to them is higher. And that's an important part of, uh, of, 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 I would say the, the manufacturing of food mm-hmm. <clears throat> and feed has also gone up significantly. Um, so, so you have all of these and, and, fertilizer, of course. Um, so you have all of these factors, you know, fertilizer and feed are the things that feed the food that we eat. Right. Mm-hmm. And if those things are going up in, and and price, then your food is going to go up in price. And that's the basics of everything. Yeah. Right. And that's and the then, thing that you know, most people
1: what, understand too. So like if it's some other nuanced thing that only applies to 10% <laughs> of the population, maybe it's not. Uh, as shocking, but I think this is so in your face when it's food that everybody understands it. Everybody's looking at the, if they even have discretionary spending and how it's eating into it, it's just so in your face.
0: Yeah. Well, and and the thing is look, look at basics, right? Like, you know, the the basics for everybody is usually like milk and eggs and bread. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So you know, um, you know, you need fertilizer to grow wheat to make bread, and wheat costs have gone up. I, I, I like to look at wheat and corn prices. Wheat, wheat can be a little bit manipulated because um, a lot of the wheat in the world is grown in the U.S., but a lot, a lot of it is also grown in places like Kazakhstan and Ukraine. Mm. So you've got those macroeconomic issues that kind of caused it to bump up and come back down temporarily. But corn is primarily in the U.S. and um, corn prices continue to go up. Yeah, you, ha- you haven't you haven't seen that that spike and 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 drop, which people are saying, "Oh yeah, wheat prices are coming down." Well, no, it's just sort of a reversion to the mean. But but, but corn and corn is a big part of feed. Okay, it's a big part of everything in the U.S. and um, and. There was a period of time and, you know, everybody was joking around about the price of eggs, right? You know, if you could buy a car, you know, you buy a dozen of eggs, you're a rich person, you know. Some buy, of the memes were amazing, Bitcoin. yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's amazing. Um, I'm, I'm actually eating eggs right now as we speak uh, because Bitcoin is, you know, or at least was about 20,000 so I can afford eggs again. <laughs> <laughs> but what happened with eggs is, uh, the cost of feed went up a lot mm. and then, and then, and then because the cost of feed was going up, um, the major feed manufacturers changed their formula. Mm. And when they changed the formula, the eggs weren't produced. I mean, the, the chickens weren't producing eggs as much and it caused an egg shortage. Wow. Yeah. Not to mention, and, we're not even you know, talking
1: about the nutritional benefits of whatever they're eating, right, flowing downstream. Yeah. Oh
0: yeah. man. And by the way, I mean, I mean, really, really to dig in, that the, the, the highest nutritional value of eggs is when the chickens are actually eating worms, mm-hmm. as opposed to eating feet. So just yeah. just a side note from a guy who, you know, whose grand grandparents had farms when I was growing up.
1: <laughs> no, I mean, it's powerful and it's the stuff that, that is totally lost when we're just looking at numbers um, and we're looking around the country and it, and there's a, an epidemic of people just grossly overweight and you have to ask yourself, what's what's driving this? And it's the stuff that's not showing up in the numbers, but, the, but decisions that are being made in order to try to keep things affordable as nobody has any type of disposable income. And when I say nobody, I'm talking like, what, 90% of people just are, are, you know, trying to make it day to day because they don't have disposable income. Mm-hmm. It's, it's that, the stuff that's, that's not right. discussed, at least in my opinion, it's not discussed.
0: Yeah. So, so let's go down the supply chain. I mean, I mean, I, yeah. we spent a lot of time with eggs, but I think it's important well, because it is, it is, it's a staple.
1: Well, I, you, you brought up farming and energy are your two main things that you're looking at from, from an inflation standpoint. What are your thoughts okay. on the energy?
0: Well, energy is really interesting because what I look at when, you know, I, I spent a long time analyzing energy and, and, and the trap, my trad life. Mm-hmm. And, um, the, the main factor that I look at when I look at energy and of course I'm, I'm originally from Texas. So, um, everybody, you know, you know, everybody's involved in the energy business where, where I grew up. My dad spent 40 years in it, um, before he retired. And the thing with energy is, you really, you really look at one thing, right? Well, it's, it's applying and demand, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But the most important factor that you always look at when you're looking at potential future energy prices is oil reserves and Cushing. And a lot of people don't know what Cushing is, but Cushing is a small town and in, in Oklahoma and it's where the majority of uh, oil is stored. And, um, the way that you look at, um, um, the supply and Cushing is you look at how much it costs to rent the space um, there. Right. So anyway, long story short there, the supply of oil is going down. Our strategic oil reserves are going down mainly because the current administration um, released them and actually sent most of it to China, which is really bizarre. Um, So the supply of oil is down, but then if you look around you and you say, okay, what's, what's happening, what's, what's happening in the macroeconomic sense of what's working well, well, people are going on vacations, Mm -hmm. right? There's a lot more travel, um, you know, air travel is going up. Um, other types of travel has, has, has spiked as well. China's opening up. Hong Kong just opened up. So there's a demand for travel. There's a demand for vacations. So you've you've got a lot of demand for, for petroleum at the same time that you've got uh, a lower amount of supply. So the supply and cushing is down and then we'll kind of going a little bit down the chain. We'll are we going to replenish that supply? Well, no, because in a lot of areas fracking has stopped, so you don't have the um, the amount of fracking pulling oil out of the ground and sending them, you know, to uh, uh, to be stored uh, to be processed later. And uh, a lot of offshore drilling has also stopped as well. Mm-hmm. So this is going to cause a major supply chain issue in in oil. Um, what, in what, really what time was, frame
1: are you thinking? Like in the next six months? Sooner, sooner than that. Wow.
0: Yeah. Um, so yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if we saw at least a 50% uptick in the price of oil.
1: Wow. And, and it seems like the price is coiling. Um, I have a chart here. I'll try to bring it up real fast. Um, but it yeah. seems like the, it seems like the price is coiling a bit and it looked like, uh, you know, when the price really, really spiked in the, what was it? The first quarter of 2022, uh, really a year ago. Um, it seemed like all of the um are you are you seeing the chart right now, Stephen? Yeah, yeah. So this this spike that we were seeing a year ago, it's saying in March exactly uh, last year. Um, this is when the Biden administration stepped in and they were aggressively using the petroleum reserves in order to suppress the price. Um, I would say around what was it october they they were saying that they were going to ease up a bit or that they they weren't going to be releasing as many uh oil reserves and now it seems like the price is coiling a, a bit here since what is it december um yeah i <laughs> Fifty percent is yeah. a is a really bold call. I guess that's where I'm, I'm just kind of. Fifty uh, percent well, isn't that
0: bold of a call because if you, if you look at your if you look at your chart where it was it was really naturally going was around the one twenty to one thirty area and we're we're at eighty today. Yeah, that I takes mean, you to one twenty-one. Bold of a call to say that. Yeah, we're going to one eh, twenty.
1: Yeah, that's no, that's where, 50% where it, higher. That's where it's
0: yeah. That's the number. Wow. <laughs> Who. I actually think it's a pretty uh, a pretty muted call. I mean, it could it could it actually could go higher. Um, you know, I, I actually think longer term we'll probably see one fifty oil. Wow. But yeah, short term um, I'm I'm looking at 120,
1: 125. Wow. Now, okay. So going back to our inflation discussion, if this mm-hmm. happens, because the input to everything is energy. Uh, That's right. And so I mean, I just can't imagine what that's going to do to the Treasury market. And I, I know that's where you were kind of le- leading us. Before we go there, before we go there, you had, said, you had said three things that the Fed is hyper-focused on. One is fighting inflation. Two is raising unemployment. And then three was don't destroy the economy, which wasn't nearly as important. That second one, I like when you said it. I didn't want to interrupt you, but I'm I'm thinking, how can that be part of their mandate as far as like having unemployment higher? What do you mean by
0: yeah, that? Yeah. So if, if you if you, and I'm just gonna go I'm just gonna go simple simple common man from from the south right now. Which you know, if you if you go to a restaurant or go to You know, any 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 anywhere where it's within the service industry, there's a lack of labor. Absolutely. And and it doesn't affect us, it affects the entire country. Mm -hmm. Um um, the service industry has a lack of labor and it's causing prices to go up. Mm -hmm. Right. So what the Fed is trying to do is is increase unemployment to help fight inflation. Because aren't they gonna
1: make it worse? They're gonna raise the prices if, if we've got it's insane. It doesn't make any sense.
0: Yeah, and by the way, we do have an we do have an we do have an employment problem in the U.S. right now. Um, it was it was mostly caused by it was mostly caused by action during COVID, right? And and we can we can dig into the psychology there. It doesn't really matter, but but the reality is is we now have a lack of a lack of supply of labor, and the Fed is doing everything it can to get there. But what's happening is is the tech companies and the banks are laying people off in in droves, and that's what's causing unemployment to grow. But it's only slightly growing because none of those people are going to go work at the Waffle House. Yeah, right. I mean, I mean, I would. I'd go work at the Waffle House if uh, if I needed money any 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 day of the week. But uh, most people won't.
1: I mean, the, the numbers really aren't coming up on the unemployment front at all. I mean, it's it's. Up a hair, but I mean, it's so in the standard volatility that like we're seeing all time lows in unemployment right now, and so yeah, that's right. like I'm looking around, like you go to you go to any type of service uh, based restaurant or whatever, like you're saying, and everybody's shortchanged, but we're at max employment. So like I'm just scratching my head, and I'm just saying, or, or is it because there's just people that are completely out of the workforce and they're not showing up in those numbers, or like what's and then the other thing I'm asking myself is, is it just this? Is it just like restaurants that are in your face that you can see the the lack of, of labor? Or is this across like all industries that are dealing with these issues? And if so, like, I don't get it. It doesn't make sense.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, by the way, I mean, we, we talked about the airlines a little bit earlier. Uh, it's affecting the airline industry as well. Yeah. So one of the reasons why we're having so many delays Uh, for flights or or flights that are completely canceled is because of lack of labor to actually support, um, you know, planes flying. Right. And and if you think about it, you're like, well, you know, we're not, we're not losing pilots and flight attendants. Okay. You're not, but think about all the people that take that, that it it takes to run an airport, to run, you know, 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 to run an airline. Uh, You've got people that are having to, you know, uh, uh, handle luggage, uh, handle catering uh you know the, the list the list goes on and those are the jobs that are hard to find, to find people to fill right now
1: it's crazy so Jer- Jeremy Siegel was uh he had some quote yesterday on CNBC where he was basically saying similar to what we're talking about right now is if they keep raising rates and they're trying to get after it by fighting inflation they're fighting a problem by reducing the amount of monetary units in the system, and, but the but the problem is you don't have enough people working in the system in order to sustain it. So like you're just going to accelerate inflation. You're going to make it worse. So that's your base case, uh, Stephen. Is that none of this is under control from an inflation standpoint? If anything, it's it might get worse based on your energy uh, comments. Mm-hmm. Um, And so, are are we in a spiral? I guess that's that's where we go next. Are we in a spiral that they're gonna not be able
0: to get under control, or or
1: what's happening?
0: Yeah, look, I I think we're in a bit of a death spiral. And I'll go ahead and throw the word "death" in there to make it more (laughs) dramatic. But uh, a a bit of a death spiral here because because you're absolutely right. It's if you if you're if you have a lack of labor. And, and, and not all skills are transferable. Right. I mean, yeah. I, I jokingly say I'd go work at the Waffle House. Well, you know, I waited tables in college. I, I know how to work at the Waffle House. If I had to, I would. But do I know how to go be a wildcatter and go fit pipes and weld and all the things that you need to do to get petroleum out of the ground? No. Do you? No. no. So if people in Silicon Valley and Wall Street lost their jobs, they're they're not they're not working in the oil fields. So it's not really helping there, first of all. Second of all, um, that, that, that lack of labor is causing uh, a supply in industries that people don't want to work in or people mm-hmm. don't know how to work in. You know, uh, I think people sometimes think, well, you know, isn't it easy
2: to find farm labor? No, it's complicated. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's sponsors. Today's episode is sponsored by Range Rover Sport. Range Rover leads by example with their dynamic design that rises to the occasion. It's got powerful on-road performance and commanding all-terrain capabilities, coupled with signature Range Rover refinement. The third-generation Range Rover Sport is the most desirable, advanced, and dynamically capable one yet, redefining sporting luxury. It's got advanced cabin technologies such as active noise cancellation and cabin air purification, offering next-level comfort and refinement. When Rain Wilson had a great idea, he turned to AT&T Business. They assured him no matter how out there his idea may be, they had his back. So he came up with this, a talking pillow designed to put you to sleep, backed by a reliable network in the only network with built-in security controls. And thus, Sleep with Rain was a hit. Take your business to the next level at business.att.com. That's business.att.com. All right, back to the show. Everybody in the US
1: has been conditioned to become a service, sit at a computer, you know, make digital file, whatever type uh, job. And when you look around the world and you look at like actual extraction of natural resources out of the ground, like this country is not there
0: at all. I mean, yeah. I'm I'm one of those rare people that you know. My grandparents, when I'd go and stay with them, you know, over the summers, they'd make me work on the farm. You know, like, yeah, yeah, you know, and not like, and 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 not like a lot of work, but like just enough to know what I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it, it's 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 number one it's hard work. It's and, and number two, it's actually there, there's 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 actual knowledge that you need to have to make it work. So. So yeah, these, these skills are transferable. You've got a lot of people. I mean, look, you've got a lot of people laid off from tech companies. All they know how to do is, you know, monitor tweets and, and, and ban people. Right. Like, I mean, that's, that's not very transferable. It's crazy. You know, Street, it's crazy. All, we're only good at spreadsheets and charts. I mean, you take that away. It's like, what do we have left? <laughs> what,
1: so, I mean, all of this really gets into the supply chain, what, what the expertise is of G7 type countries versus the rest of the world that's supplying a lot of the elements in natural resources, uh, that are, that are saying, Hey, we're sick of receiving your digital units. Uh, we want paid in our own local units, or we want paid in gold, or we want paid in, in Bitcoin, um, yeah. So where where do you go uh, additionally from your macro lens? So you you started off with inflation, which I think is just the the keystone of all of this and all valuation around the world starts there. Um, what else would you uh, say about this moment in time in March of twenty twenty
0: three? Yeah. Well. Well. To carry on from that, if oil's going up, I would say minimum fifty percent. Food prices up minimum fifty percent. Uh, that's 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 a lot of inflationary pressure. Uh it forces the Fed to continue to raise rates. Now, what happens is, is when, as the Fed raises rates, and they're already backing up from their rhetoric a few months ago, where they're like, Yeah, it looks like we're getting this under control. We're gonna slow down the uh the rate of uh of 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 increases to the uh to the Fed's rate. But now they're starting to change their stance a little bit It's like, mm-hmm. ooh. Inflation isn't quite behind us. We're going to have to, you know, continue to aggressively raise rates. What that does is create pressure on the treasury market. And that's really where we're going here, right? So if the government continues to overspend and has to issue bonds that are now having to pay a, a higher rate of coupon in order to, in order to borrow against them, right? You have this it's, it's almost an exponential curve of the amount of debt service that the U S has to pay. Mm -hmm. Now there's only one way to offset that. And that's to print more money, right? You print more money, you cause more inflation. Uh, So that's where the, the death comes into the death spiral. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's where the debt and, and comes going to the... take
0: us dollars. If all you're going to do is just continue to print more and more of them just to cover your debt service. Yeah. To yeah. Just to pay that down. No, no, nobody's going to want
1: that. in whose hands do you shove all the printing into as well? Right. Because it, it seems like the banks and we're, we're getting a real taste of this, this, this week with Silvergate Silicon Valley bank. Um, They're getting thirsty. These banks are getting thirsty and they're thirsty for, Um, not a couple million, not a couple billion, but I think when you, when you zoom out that we're talking trillions that these banks are getting thirsty for, uh, as far as the liquidity that they're going to need in order to service all of their impairment on their balance sheets. So talk to us about that. And uh, I guess start off with Silvergate because that's where anybody listening to this show in particular is going to have an interest in, in knowing Silvergate. And then maybe we can talk about the broader context of, of why this is taking place. I've got an awesome quote that you that you posted on Noster here that uh, that I plan on reading. So I don't want, don't take that away from me.
0: <laughs> okay. I won't take that away from you. Um, go, go by the way, I, I posted that to an internal chat about back in June Anyway, we'll, we'll comment on that later. Um, I kind of saw this coming. Um, really what's happening with Silvergate and, and by the way, this applies to signature. It applies to Silicon Valley bank is, you know, I, I guess, I guess back in the day, um, I, I used to run, uh, emerging markets, um, emerging market debt for Guggenheim. And one of the, 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 things that I invested in was, you know, non U S banks. Right. Mm. So I had to, you know, I had to look at, you know, the creditworthiness of a lot of these banks and big, one of the biggest problems of banks outside of the U S um, particularly emerging markets is they're heavily, their deposits are heavily allocated to one sector because generally emerging markets have, you know, one main sector uh, that that, that drives that economy and their, and their banks are going to be heavy, heavily allocated to it. You know, in the U S there it's pretty diversified now. Um, so I would always avoid banks that had too heavy of a, of a, of an allocation to a sector because if that one sector got hurt, it, you know, the whole bank, you know, it's whole deposit pace would go down. What happened with Silvergate is they they found a niche in one sector and that sector was crypto and they Overallocated. They didn't run good risk models, and they decided, "Oh, this is a great niche. We're going to make a ton of money here. We're going to be the bank that that services all the crypto companies." Well, it's great in a bull market, but it's uh, pretty bad in, in a bear market. And the problem with crypto, and I'm I'm saying the word crypto on purpose, right? Because they they mainly focused on crypto companies like FTX, is that they got they got a little bit over their skis, and the problem with that industry is that. The crypto industry generally follows um, uh, Bitcoin economics, which uh, has a a halving that happens about every four years. So uh, Bitcoin runs in four year cycles. We all know that, but crypto closely follows that, um, you know, because, because of Bitcoin. So when you've, when you've got a a winter that happens every four years um, you know, you're going to have a problem uh, every four years if if you're too allocated. And um, FTX, uh, they decided that you know um, they they didn't do due diligence on FTX and uh, Alameda, and um, that was also a really big problem when that went down. Um, they should have they should have worked a little harder there. Would you say that they um, were?
1: Would you say that they? It was beyond that. It was neglect because I mean they were doing wires to Alameda. Isn't it Silvergate that was responsible for some of the? The uh, the wires that were going to even the wrong company. I mean, it was it was yeah. neglect at the
0: highest order, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So 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 yeah, they're 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 heavily weighted to one sector, and within that sector, they're heavily weighted to one company, mm-hmm. and that's that's a problem. And um, you know, so when when you know when when your entire deposit base basically shrivels up, the way that banks work is. Uh, they grow their operations based on their deposit base. And not only do they grow their operations based on the deposit base, they also make investments based on that deposit base because that's how banks make money. They take your money and then they lend it out to somebody else. Well, uh, when you're in a particular ecosystem, you, you, you might be holding things like mortgage backed securities or other, you know, fixed income instruments that have a yield, you know, and then, and then they might also do some home loans, some auto loans, things like that. You know, some of the more reasonable banks will do those types of things. But the problem with Silvergate and Signature and Silicon Valley Bank is they did a lot of venture lending. Mm. And so, in addition to mortgage-backed securities that, that, that are that are now you know priced lower because yields have gone up, they are they're also upside down on some of these venture um, you know venture loans that they made. And that's kind of what bleeds more into the Silicon Valley bank base, uh, but no, Silvergate, you know, they just they just overallocated to one to one area, and um, you, you can't do that. You've got to have a diversified customer base and a diversified sector base.
1: When we look at the problem, particularly at uh, Silicon Valley Bank. It's looking like there's this uh, much bigger, broader issue that's that's arising uh, out of this idea of high-quality liquid assets that were purchased at very low interest rates when we had low inflation prints that just seemed to always go lower for 40 years. And they all step into the market, and they buy all these bonds, and they put them on their on their balance sheet as high-quality liquid assets, which... They need to have 100% coverage based off of uh, rules that came out of the the great financial crisis. The problem with this is when you you buy these at less than 1% uh, inflation prints and less than 1% yields on 10-year treasuries and you put them on your books, and then all of a sudden things start running to 5% plus, um, the prices of long-duration bonds get crushed uh 10, 15% right off the right off the value that they purchased it for. Um and when you're lending and you might only have a 10% difference between what's out the door and what's what's come in as deposits, um, this creates just a massive issue, uh liquidity issue for banks. It seems like, uh based on what we saw yesterday with some of the indexes, that regional banks are feeling this pain more so than anybody else. And uh, talk to us a little bit about this and whether this is a stem- a systemic issue, which I suspect you're going to say yes, but let's let's hear your thoughts on all this.
0: Yeah, look, I, I don't think all regional banks are are in trouble in this in this particular time period. Um, you know, the problem with regional banks is they, they they service a region of the country and usually that region of the country has a very focused, um a very focused economic activity right back to what you two different things.
1: Yeah, it's just like the Silvergate situation because they're regionally focused. So yeah, they're correct? regionally yeah. focused in Silicon
0: Valley. So it's all tech yeah. companies. Wow. Yeah. And mostly startups. Yeah. Yeah. And um and look, you know, if you if you look in other regions of the country, I mean, you know, for instance, we're, you know, in, in the south, you know, or the southeast Um, A lot of the focus is going to be in, um, you know, things like banking and insurance. I'm sorry, uh, farming and insurance and, you know, Texas, you know, they might have a big, you know, uh, energy base. So so regional banks generally do have a a, a really uh, high allocation to one 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 industry generally. Uh, But they do try very hard to diversify their deposit base and they're generally a little bit more um, safe when it comes to the, what they lend out to. So, so in this particular price, I'm going to call it a, a mini crisis. It's not a real crisis. Uh, it's a couple of, you know, uh, there's, there's probably a handful of banks that are going to be in trouble here. And they're the ones that focused on tech companies because, because we, we go back to our comments earlier about unemployment who, you know, which, which firms are, are, are having the highest levels of unemployment tech companies. Mm. You don't see the contagion. So,
1: I mean, you're, you go on Twitter, everybody's saying this is the, this is the big one. This is the contagion event. And, and so you're, you're pushing back on that.
2: Help no, us understand
1: no. how, like explain your lens on why you don't necessarily see this as, as the, the quote unquote contagion event.
0: Well, it's mostly focused on a few industries. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's banks with deposit basis and, and tech and crypto. And I mean, that's, that's really it. Um, you know, the other other sectors of the economy are doing fine, and most other banks are diversified in their deposit base. It's just mm. it's the handful of banks that didn't that 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 didn't have proper risk management or focus too heavily on one sector. and those are the sectors that are ha- that that happen to be failing right now
1: and so even though there's tons of counterparty risk because they're so sector based, you think that that it's not going to spill over
0: into. Okay.
1: No, I really, I really don't. I, I know there's some
0: calls out there to say, "Hey, the U.S. should bail out Silicon Valley Bank." Like, no, they should not. They should not bail you out.
1: Yeah, Bill, Bill Billy, die. Billy. Maybe he needs to cough up some more tears to to get that <laughs> one through. <laughs> exactly.
0: Well, he was also he also thought that, that 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 Sam was a good guy, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. Of course, of course. Um. Okay. So as we're looking at this, so you know, here, here's how I read your statement. Higher for longer. Uh, get ready because they're going to keep raising rates. They're not going to be doing twenty-five bips. They're probably doing fifty bips. Um, and what else? What else on top of that? And, and and is that correct? Am I reading you correct with that statement?
0: Yeah, I, absolutely. And uh, and 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 I'm very worried about inflation. Um, I, I really, I I really have been saying for for a few years now that we are we are going into hyperinflation territory. Um, you know, we printed way too much money. We had too loose monetary policy for, for over a decade and it's finally catching up with us.
1: And we don't even have some of the higher numbers in the world right now. Like you go to Europe, it's crazy. Like it is, is really bad.
0: Yeah, that's right. Particularly. I mean, I was in, I was just in London this summer and and I really noticed it. I mean, actually it, I didn't, I didn't really notice it because I was bringing dollars in and dollar was stronger than, yeah. than the pound, but I I noticed that prices were going up on on basics and that people were very upset about it.
1: Hmm. I got to read the quote. Um, So this is something that you wrote back in June. Um, Banks may be in more trouble than in the rest of the market, I think. Most banks have been holding mortgage-backed securities on their balance sheet to generate yield these securities probably yield 2 to 3.5% the more senior tranches and have 7 year expected walls in rising rate environments people don't refi nor move as much this extends life of the mortgage backed security also rates are at 6% plus now so these holdings have decreased in price about 10% if banks sell these holdings they're at a loss Many regional banks have also taken up venture lending, given the higher rates these lines of, of credit can command. I've seen 9 to 12%. Imagine if you will, a block uh, chain startup taking a loan and buying, say, AVAX or ETH heavily on their balance sheet because they are in that ecosystem. Not too crazy to imagine someone doing that. I just spoke to an entrepreneur, and this is the good part, in the NFT space that raised a million bucks and spent 700K on JPEGs. To get in the quote unquote quote club, I imagine some of those venture loans might be in trouble. It's insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting a lot of flack from people from saying it's insane, but that's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. It's incredible. It's incredible. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm speechless. I, I just, I roll my eyes like, what in the world? And, and how is there no due diligence after a loan has been made to some of these companies? I, I, I know they have to say what they're using the, the funds for when they're going for the loan, but then there's no like follow up or, uh, you know, if I go out there and buy some monkey pictures with, with the million dollars I raised, like how in the world is stuff like that possible? How is that possible?
0: You know that, that that's what happens when interest rates are too low for too long, Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, you know, in a, in a normal environment, you're buying, you know, I would say more plain vanilla. I'll call it plain vanilla type of bonds. Uh, you're earning a reasonable yield. Uh, you're able to maintain, you know, the the operations and the deposit base for a bank. Uh, but when interest rates go too low for too long you know uh the the riskier banks get a little bit more creative in how they generate a yield and 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 now it's uh now it's blowing it up in their face i mean a and, lot and, of a lot of these banks would never have guessed that interest rates would go to 5%. Yeah.
1: I think if you if you stop time at that exact moment while they were doing some of these things they're making so much money at that moment in time that it totally clouds their judgment on on bad times that will come two or three years later, and so the the the. But I guess if I was going to argue with myself, because that that's me trying to justify how they they get themselves into that position. How is there not a protocol that's been built in inside of these long-standing institutions that they that they guard against that behavior and that they guard against doing those things? It's just crazy to me. And maybe it's maybe it's a function of just fractional reserve banking uh you know I mean at, at the end of the day the whole thing is just rolling rolling debt and there's the the amount of deposits never match the the amount of money going out the door so like maybe maybe it's just a function of fractional reserve banking that this will always happen and I that's probably where I stand I don't know how, well, how if you, you look say.
0: at if, if you look at 2008 right uh some of the bigger banks that actually you know do have you know, I would say more established processes and procedures were also tanking. Yeah, um, you know they they just weren't thinking. You know, it's sort of like you know you sort of don't have a choice, but you actually do. At the same time, you just have to be a little bit more conservative and patient. Um, you know, but it but it is a mentality that okay, well, you know, the bigger banks, you know, they a lot of them are publicly traded. By the way, Silicon Valley Bank, Silvergate, they're all publicly traded. And the problem with the with the public markets is that you're living quarter to quarter. And you get angry shareholders if you're not doing things to boost your earnings on a quarterly basis. So on, on the one hand, they're making bad decisions because they're being forced to mm-hmm. by public markets. Mm-hmm. So that's that's an issue in itself. The other one is they're just... And, and a lot of things in a lot of ways just being careless and 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 don't have proper risk measures but but that goes back to 2007 2008 as well right or even before that when when people started getting get involved in that practice um you know you're you're always trying to outperform your peers even if you're not a public company and you see opportunities and you're taking those opportunities while while they while they last but you're not thinking about the long term the long term risk that you're taking on um
2: Back to the show.
0: Back, back so like to JPEGs, right? I mean, <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, I, I can, I can buy a, a monkey JPEG for a million dollars and sell it for two million tomorrow. Why wouldn't you keep doing that? It's like, it's like a bond. <laughs> it's like a bond. <laughs> They'll always go up in value. People, well, people have this, this like psychological. People think that when things are going up, they will always go up.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's where we were. I remember being in arguments with folks in 2020 with respect to the bond market when interest rates were, uh, you know, sub one percent, and they're and they were adamant that it's just going to keep going lower. And that's why I buy. That's why I buy these yielding nothing percent bonds is because it's going to go lower, and and it's going to go up in value if the yield pushes lower. It's like, yeah. all right, hey, keep picking up the pennies in front of the steamroller, man. I I don't know what to tell you. Um, yeah.
0: But, but that also brings up another point on these banks, right? I mean, you, you asked the question when, when, when bonds are at one to 2%, you, you can't make money as a bank buying one no. to 2% earning bonds. So you, you got to stretch into different areas. And the problem is instead of diversifying their portfolios into several different areas of the fixed income market, they would focus on just one thing. They're like, okay, well, mortgage-backed securities. It's backed by the U.S. government. You know, it's it's secure. It's yielding a little bit more. I'm going to buy a bunch of that. You know, I well, know mortgages. I'm a bank. I get it. I
1: think it's even crazier than that, Stephen. Where if if coming out of the global financial crisis, they have to have 100 percent of the high quality liquid assets, and then they define that as U.S. Treasuries. What what else are they going to stick? on their, on their balance sheet when, when we're at 0% or half a percent on the 10 year treasury, they have to own this, this stuff and they had to be buying it and they had to be, it's crazy. It's crazy. But the thing
0: is there's, there's other choices, right? I mean, I mean, look, if I was managing a a bank portfolio, I would have been buying, I don't know, I would have been buying floating rate asset-backed securities at that time, right? Because when interest rates go up, you reset at a higher rate. And your yeah. price stays stable. Yeah. I mean, That's or, a good point. But or bond lab. But is, mean, there enough, you know, is there
1: enough is there enough of the it to buy? Like if if we take that mindset and we expand it, and I'm not trying to I'm not trying to justify these stupid decisions, right? Because you just you just countered with a with a fantastic point, but how, what's the market size of of those relative to the treasury market? for the amount of banks that would be chasing after these things. And that's not a good, that's not a good counter to your point, but um, I yeah, imagine it it's a so sp- counter to my
0: point because yeah. there's not a lot of supply. So, you yeah. know, you, but, but there's enough to where you can at least diversify away from only mortgage backed securities. Yeah. And the ju- justification of bankers is, well, well, we understand mortgages. We, we issue them all the time. Well, bankers also are notoriously bad at mortgages. I mean, if, if, if banks are so good at issuing mortgages, I wouldn't have been able to lock in 2.75% a year ago mm-hmm. on my home. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I, I saw the bond market going up. They did. And they're like, Oh yeah, 2.75. Great. I mean, they're losing money on me right now. Oh so yeah. I, I hope my bank doesn't go to business because of it, but whatever.
1: Yeah. I mean, it goes to the short term quarterly thinking versus, you know, long-term strategic uh, mindset. Um, uh, for people that are seeing the Silvergate uh, meltdown, they're now looking at Signature Bank picking up the pieces. Signature Bank's stock price is getting pummeled. Um, is this just is Silvergate just one in many defaults that are on the horizon? And then, more importantly, what does that mean for the overall ecosystem and the liquidity, the rails to participate in? you know, going on to an exchange and buying Bitcoin.
0: Yeah. So, so, you know, Silvergate, Silvergate really isn't a, a Bitcoin problem. I mean, or Bitcoin wasn't the problem. Um, Silvergate is a fractional reserve banking problem. Mm -hmm. You know, first of all, Um, their issue was, you know, as I, as I, as I stated, they over levered themselves into one industry, which is never a good idea. and, and Silvergate suffering from it. Now the deposits are going to be fine. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make that statement and be very clear. I've, I've always said that the deposits will be fine. They might get frozen for a little bit. So, you know, if you want to take that risk, but um, but that'll be fine. The bank itself is going under. Um, I actually thought that somebody would, would would come and pick it up for its deposit base, but um, because banks are always looking for more deposits, it's really hard to find right now for banks. Uh, uh, you know, in- increasing the deposit size, but I think there's so much hair around it that they, you know, and and people are fleeing so quickly. There's not much of a deposit base left, so I, I just don't know if there's any bidders. Uh, Silvergate, I mean, sorry, uh, Silicon Valley Bank, or oh, no um,
1: signature? Signature.
0: Yeah. So 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 to get to signature, signature actually benefited from the Silvergate issue, but is now following the Silicon Valley bank issue, right? Because the Silicon Valley bank issue has more to do with, uh, you know, their, their mortgage backed security portfolio and their venture venture portfolio. And people are just afraid that, that of what's under the hood at signature. And by the way, I don't know what's under the hood at signature. Mm Um, you know, um, it's, but it's, but it's enough of contagion risk to not want to keep deposits there. Um, because again, you you know if you're keeping customer deposits at Signature or Silicon Valley Bank, um, your deposits could get frozen. Your deposits are fine, but they could get frozen for a period of time, and nobody wants that. Uh, we've seen what happens when, you know in, in, um, in the exchange ecosystem, when you freeze things for a little bit, right? Like you know Celsius, even though it was not fine, once they started freezing their withdrawals or, or delaying their withdrawals, that's when you get the run. And, uh, and if, and if there's ever a freeze, you know, it's, it, it's all over. And then your clients, you know, if, if, you know, if I have clients and I have my client deposits there, then they lose trust in me mm-hmm. and then they want to start withdrawing from me. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is why we're very careful about, you know, what counterparties we use. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and like I said, we, we've never used Silicon Valley bank or, or Silvergate. We, we have used signature as a backup bank just because, you know, you should always be diversified. But uh, but but, yeah, we don't you know, we've we've got very little deposits there
1: for a person who's hearing all this. It can sound pretty scary. Um, And let's just say we're we're talking about the normal Bitcoin, the the person who's doing their job. They want to put some money onto an exchange. They want to buy some Bitcoin and they want to claw it into self-custody. They're hearing this and they're saying the government, whoever is is stepping in and, and wrecking havoc for these, for these rails into my exchange. Is this a long-term systemic, uh, attack, uh, that maybe wall street and the government are working together to, to bring these down? Or is these are these just companies that have mismanaged risk Are these rails always going to be there it's in some type of capacity or somehow, some kind of way to reach these exchanges? What are your thoughts in, in that area?
0: I actually lean more towards it's a mismanagement of risk. I don't know. You know, this is hard to say. I don't know if there's some big government conspiracy to to shut down the crypto industry. I believe that there's certain actors that um, that that are that are that are doing certain things, right? Um, but I don't know if there's like a, a massive conspiracy behind it, like what a lot of other people are saying. I could be wrong, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't think that that's the case. Um, but I, but I, but I do believe the current administration is generally against against the crypto industry in general. Um, I I do believe there's certain politicians and certain others that are against Bitcoin. I mean, it's very clear. You know, Elizabeth Warren uh, is a, is against Bitcoin, and several other people are. Uh, but Gary Ginsler, who's the head of the SEC, is not against Bitcoin. I, I would I would categorize Gary Ginsler as a Bitcoin maximalist. Um, so, so yeah, I don't know if there's this massive conspiracy there. I mean, even the CFTC is pro Bitcoin. They're either they're pro other digital assets as well. I mean, they, they actually just came out and said, yeah, there's no way that Ethereum is, a is a, um, uh, a security. So, so yeah, that those, those are the, those are the kind of data points that make me believe that it's not some, you know, big conspiracy, but I mean, what do I know? Um. There's, there's been other conspiracy theories that have been proven right that uh, that, has, that has been quite shocking over the last few years, but uh, I don't think that's one of them. Do you
1: have any thoughts on Caitlin Long's uh, situation with Custodia and her application for people maybe not familiar? So she's she's having a bank startup. She's trying to be an FDI. Or, yeah, uh, she's, she's trying to uh, bank with the Fed, have a direct account with the Fed. And the application was declined. I want to say it was declined back in the summer, June timeframe, maybe. Um, it, it seems like she is being identified, maybe targeted with with her application. And then you have all these incumbent banks that basically get to do all this stuff. And she's, she's saying, I'm going to be 100% back. She's doing everything by the, I would say, by the book. Mm-hmm. And she's being denied and stopped at every every block, which I just find ironic.
0: Yeah, it's kind of interesting, but I will say this. um, It's not an easy process Mm -hmm. of of doing what she's trying to do. I mean, if you look at some of the bigger regional banks, I mean, I'm sure that they would love to have direct access to the Fed window. And these are massive Mm -hmm. deposited banks Mm -hmm. Uh, and, you know, they it's 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 a it's a long arduous process for anyone um I, I think she she's probably somewhat targeted but i don't think that it's just her hmm. right so you know and and I, and I, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll, yeah the, the only thing i can say there is it's it's hard for any bank to get included in the club there's only a few in the club and um banks way bigger than her um are are, are going to have issues doing it even if they have a very um, I would say a very, uh, I hate to say the word clean, but like a clean deposit base, because what, the reason I say it that way, cause I'm sure the FDIC doesn't see, or the fed doesn't see uh deposit base based in, in digital assets as clean. Um, so that's, that's, that, 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 that's, that's my comment there. But, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think it would be interesting if she could get her application through that, that'd be, that'd be fantastic. I have a lot of respect for Caitlin. Yeah. Just brilliant.
1: And and so upfront in in what right looks like in being vocal about it. If there's anybody that policymakers need to latch on to that understands the industry better than anybody out there, it's her. And it's it's very frustrating to see uh her sidelined, I guess, fr- from uh congressional hearings to just uh the policy making at large. Um it's it's frustrating. Uh, And we, we got, we got senators up there talking about like running an ice cream truck and how it relates to proof of work. I mean, it is, it is frustrating. Very, very frustrating. I don't know if you saw that clip. Oh my God. Oh my God. What an eye roll. Um, last time you were on, we talked about GBTC, uh, DCG Genesis, the, the Barry Silbert, uh, conglomerate of, of pain. (laughs) <laughs> I said that yeah. not you. Um what are what are your thoughts moving forward in, in this particular space, particularly uh, you know, ETF and and if you can't comment, no, no sweat, but uh, I'm just kind of curious how you see some of this evolving.
0: Yeah, so um I think the most interesting development has been the FTX lawsuit against Genesis mm. and Grayscale. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, that, I'll, I'll say this when, when FTX went down, that's, that's when my eyes kind of opened up that, wow, Genesis and Grayscale is involved in every bankruptcy that's happening in the entire ecosystem, right? They were involved with Celsius, BlockFi, Three Arrows, Voyager, now FTX and Alameda. Um, it's not a coincidence, right? They, they over lever the entire system. FTX, you know, they're, uh, you know, the, the, the team that's taking them through bankruptcy, the that's taking the estate through bankruptcy is obviously seeing more than what all of us know. And they think it's definitely worth a, uh, you know, a legal challenge there. So, uh, that's pretty eye-opening. Uh, it's, it's pretty rare. I would think that a, um. A, a bankruptcy estate would would go after a company like that. There's there's got to be a good reason. Um, I don't know what that is, but uh, there's there's got to be good reason. By the way, did, I don't know if you saw the uh, Peter McCormick interview of Sonashine.
1: I didn't, it's, but I saw that you had comment on it. So yeah, okay. give me the, give me the the rundown
0: on that it. That is that is probably the most the most interesting podcast I've seen in a year. Not easily. because of Peter, that's for sure. No, no, Peter. <laughs> um, no, it's uh, it was pretty eye opening, and uh, you you have to see it. But TLDR is, you know, it, it it seems like there's a lot more interconnectivity between Genesis DCG and grayscale than 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 what's being led on. Wow. Uh, so so that's that's pretty interesting. I need to get uh, a listen to
1: that. Yeah. Well, you know how you know how Elon Musk is the is the CEO of Tesla, SpaceX, boring company. Maybe John Ray, who's the uh, CEO of FTX, can become the CEO of FTX, DCG Silvergate signature. I mean, maybe he can be basically the Elon Musk of all the failed uh, crypto companies
0: all of it and, and after it. watching him being uh drilled by the by the by the house of representatives yeah i like that guy
1: yeah no i mean I, I would i would support that you have to know what you're doing to to pick up the pieces of what this guy's dealing with i mean literally the whole company was being run by uh by signal app you know like i can't even imagine what that was like stepping into it so i'm, I'm sure this dude's a beast um yeah so yeah all jokes aside i'll have to check that out that sounds really fascinating and uh so it was Peter like grilling him, like what was he? Was he trying to? Was he trying to spin it? And Peter wasn't buying it. What happened?
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Really, I, mean, I would say that. Look, the, the last fifteen minutes were the most important fifteen minutes. Oh, I'm checking but this you out. You have to watch the whole thing. Yeah, because he just he just leads them right into it. It's it's. I mean, it reminds me of like you know the old school Barbara Walters interviews of dictators, man. Like like just just leading them right into an ambush and then. <laughs> And, and then springing the trap. I've never seen any, I haven't seen something like that. And I mean, I mean, we're talking, this is real journalism. I'm, I'm I love it. I've seen real journalism in decades.
1: I love yeah. it. Well, you know what? We, we usually don't do this, but I'm going to have a link to uh, Peter's interview in the, in the uh, show notes here. <laughs> Him and Danny. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've got I to listen it's to this like
0: good for me to talk about somebody else's podcast. No, it's cool. Going, I love those, you know, guys. I love those guys. I love those guys. I love those guys. <laughs>
1: oh, that's good. Wow. Um, we'll have to check
0: it out. But, but to answer really your, your, your question, it's, it's, you know, there's, there's a lot going on there and I, I'm, I'm curious to find out where, where it's all going to lead. And then, and then, and then to get back to the ETFs, um, you know, the, uh, I actually think that there's a good chance that Grayscale might, might win the lawsuit. Now, here's the thing though. A lot of people don't realize this. And, um, and of course, Grayscale's not going to talk about it. But just because they win doesn't mean that they get an ETF. Yeah.
1: I was talking to Joe Carlosari about this exact point. And this is what he told me. He says, Yeah, they could win, but that doesn't mean that they're gonna get the ETF after all, because it goes, I guess it goes back to the uh, SEC for their their decision and he'd be like, Yeah, no, we still don't want to do it. Even after the ruling.
0: That's nuts. I mean, he could go all the way to the Supreme Court and they can say, Yeah, you win. Okay, well, what do you win? Maybe some damages? What are your damages
1: and how do you Nothing. prove your damages? That's right. Right. They can't. Yeah. <laughs> that's so, so broke. That's insane. How is that possible?
0: Yeah. So that, that, that's, that's why I say this whole thing is kabuki, right? It's, it's like, all right, look over here and we're collecting fees over here and we're not going to, op- and we're not going to open it up for redemptions. They could be doing this. They could doing both things simultaneously. They could be filing for reg M Mm-hmm. exemption to get, to offer redemptions to their clients instead, you know, while they're, while they're doing the sec. Great. But no, they're, they're just, it's, it's, it's all theater. It's all, Hey, look over here. Um, we're, we're, we're fighting for you guys. You know, we're, we're fighting for, for an ETF for the, for the ecosystem. You know, I mean, it, uh, it, it, when, when we think about it, coiners over here, meanwhile, we have a Bitcoin cash, um, trust that you can buy. Yeah. Ethereum classic. No, I'm not buying it.
1: When we think about it from the lens of incentives, the U S currently has the global settlement layer with the U S dollar. It should make sense. Not that I'm saying it's a good thing, but it should make sense that they are reluctant to allow something like this to be so turnkey for anybody's corporate treasury or whatever, to just step in and buy an ETF that, that tracks the spot. Um, I think that's the battle we're up against. I think we're absolutely in a fight. I think the last year and a half demonstrates that we're in a fight. Uh um and we know it, what comes after the fight uh stage. But uh would you would you agree Stephen that we've been in a, in a battle over the last year and a half? Whether it's whether it's uh organized or indirectly organized. What 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 are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, uh, it- I I would agree with that to a certain extent. Um, I think I think for us, you know, I think I think different people are in different fights. Um, you know, I mean, I, I try to think about the two the two fights that I care about the most: the fight for Bitcoin, mm-hmm. right? I think you know I really care about that, um, and that has that has been a challenge globally, right? I mean if you look at what happened in Canada, if you look at what's, what's happened in other places, a little bit in the U S that's, um, that's that that's been a bit of a fight, but, but, but the other fight is really, you know, our, our industry. And we actually don't see that as, as much as other people do. And, and it's mainly because when when we do things at, at Valkyrie, we kind of look at, okay, well, what are the rules? What are securities laws? You know, what are the, what are the, where where are the bounds and we kind of understand where the boundaries are mm-hmm. and we try to stay just within those bounds. I mean, we're, we're a registered company. So we, 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 we stay within clear boundaries. A lot of people will say, well, we don't know what the boundaries are. We don't know, you know, there's no clear guidance. Well, actually there is, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of guidance uh, in, in, in securities laws. And, you know, if you want to stay within them, great. If you want to go into the gray areas, that's, that's your business, but you know, um, get ready. <laughs>
1: Yeah. You're ready, ready for, for the, a fight. You know, so so we ready ready for haven't for the seen
0: thing. the fight as much as other people have in, in that particular sense. Our, our main fight has been against bad actors. Yeah. Right. Um, You know, the bad actors being, you know, the Celsius and the BlockFi and, you know, the FTX and the Genesis of the world.
1: How do you see? And this is my last question for you because I know you got to run. Um, When you think about paper Bitcoin, uh, I know Caitlin has talked, about this a lot in the, in the implications of having paper Bitcoin. Do you, do you think that this has been a major uh, way to suppress price uh, over the last couple of years? Do you think that this is an issue uh, moving forward that we don't have a spot ETF to kind of offset some of maybe what's happening in the, in the futures uh, paper, you know, USD settled uh, markets. What are your thoughts around that?
0: Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm in the minority when it comes to thoughts on a, on a Bitcoin spot ETF. And and I, and I hate to say it like this because we're also in the business of launching ETFs and we're trying to get a Bitcoin spot ETF, but Um, and, and so, so, so that's how we make money. But on the other side of things, I'm a true believer in not your keys, not your cheese. So, you know, buy your Bitcoin, hold it locally. If you, if you can, not everybody can. And that's why, and that's why we offer funds and ETFs that, that, that that at least some do and some attempt to hold Bitcoin for the people that don't know how to do it themselves. But I would rather educate people on how to how to purchase Bitcoin? How to hold it uh, on your own hard wallets? Um, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Lightning Network. You know, we we, we get a lot of trans. You know, um, I, I, I love I love Nostr because I love the uh, it's unreal I love the culture of like uh, <laughs> of, of, of sending sending Sats to people. It's it's, it's amazing and um, it's 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 crazy. Like I, I got I got I got I got a few Sats even this morning uh, just just from you and I going back and forth, which is kind of bizarre. <laughs> I had a person but I, 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 I spin it all at Bitcoin part. Listen
1: to this. So yeah, I love their the the way they have things set up there. Um a person this morning on the Oster, they zapped me 21 sats. 21 sats. They did it 21 times, and my phone just went bing, bing, bing. Yeah. <laughs> just kept it's
0: like, what so is much this fun. person doing? It's hilarious. It's crazy. I mean, they're literally throwing pennies at you. Yeah, they're just happening. like
1: they're just like hitting you on the head with a penny, just like Bing Bing.
0: It's hilarious, but it's, but it's fun to do. And then you just it's a throw blast. It at them. It's, it's kind of cool. It's a blast. But but I guess my point is, it's like okay, you know, I, I don't, I just don't think a Bitcoin ETF is as relevant as it would have been five years ago. Um, there's, it's too easy to buy Bitcoin today. Mm-hmm. It's too easy to use the Lightning Network. It's too easy to. Um, there, there's so many tools available to you to set up your own, uh, either hot wallets or cold storage. And there's too many people available to help you do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, and by the way, I, I hate, I to keep talking about Bitcoin park, but but it's a really cool place, you know, that, yeah. that those guys set up. Like if you wanted to say, Hey, I need some help moving $20 worth of Bitcoin onto my, onto a ledger. If you showed up there, somebody will show you how to do it. Yeah. Right. And, and there's places like that everywhere where it's like, yeah, let me help you. It's just a, it's just a really cool community, but um, globally but, but yeah, too. I, globally. Yeah. I mean, even a year ago, it wasn't as easy to do it. And, and now it's just, it's, it's easy to buy Bitcoin. Like what, what, what do you need the ETF for? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think it
1: just comes down to the technical competence. Like if your grandparents or somebody who just, there's no way they can, they, they can figure out how to even, they're struggling to turn on their phone, right? Like that's where yeah. the, that type of vehicle I think is, is appropriate, but, I agree. um, I agree. Yeah, and, and if people are, can, if they have a, te- a person of technical competence to assist them and maybe help them with the custody, that's more optimal for sure. But if you know,
0: yeah, there's all sorts of situations is, out there. As as the years go by or the months go by, the relevance of needing one goes lower and lower. Hmm. That's, yeah. that's, that, that's all it's still relevant, but it's just not as relevant as it was a year ago or even five years ago. Yeah.
1: Oh, Stephen! Thank you so much for coming on. A lot of these, a lot of this banking stuff can get really confusing and difficult. And you are just, uh, just a sound source of knowledge to uh, have these discussions with. And I just really appreciate every time that I get a chance to talk with you. So, thank you, sir.
2: Oh man, I love hanging out with
0: you too. Thanks for having me. Absolutely.
2: If you guys
1: enjoyed this conversation, be sure to follow the show on whatever podcast application you use. Just search for We Study Billionaires. The Bitcoin-specific shows come out every Wednesday, and I'd love to have you as a regular listener. If you enjoyed the show or you learned something new or you found it valuable, if you can leave a review, we would really appreciate that. And it's something that helps others find the interview in the search algorithm. So anything you can do to help out with a review, we would just greatly appreciate. And with that, Thanks for listening and I'll catch you again next week.
0: Thank you for listening to TIP. To access our show notes, courses or forums, go to the investorspodcast.com. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any decisions, consult a professional. This show is copyrighted by the Investors Podcast Network. Written permissions must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting.